Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require sign, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Welcome back to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast. Remember, if these recordings have been a blessing to you, please share them across the World Wide Web. Today, for your coronavirus at home entertainment, we will stay on track with our previous broadcast regarding drug use and drug addiction, though personally, I believe they are one and the same. But let's get started. This information can once again be found in written form by way of an essay placed on our website, which is www.plenteousredemption.com. You can find more audio like this at plenteousredemption.media. And please feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions, concerns, or you just want to talk. Now, drug use is unfortunately in large demand. From legal use, a result of manipulating doctors to receive a desired prescription, to the illegal user that knows which street corner to find their dealer. Drug use is actually a very complex phenomenon extant amongst mankind, and unfortunately far too common. When our writers speak on such issues, I have two desires in mind, typically. First is simplicity. Breaking down situations or ideas into simple terms often exposes them for for what they are. Secondly, in my desire to achieve simplicity, I don't want to belittle the complexity that might exist. Loss of proper balance between the two can create misinformation regarding drug use and can cause users to perceive a lack of necessary compassion for their situation. And we don't want either to happen. We don't want to spread information. And at the same time, while trying to be honest about drug addiction, we don't want drug users or drug addicts to think that there is a lack of compassion for the situation that they have gotten themselves into. We do have empathy for their situation, but we can't pretend they have no personal responsibility in the situation. That balance has to be met in order for proper help to be made available to people that are struggling with drug addiction. In the social media age, inaccuracies dominate the airwaves. Agenda, along with politically charged philosophical postulates, prevail over truth. In a world led by feelings, in defiance to facts, ideas regarding addiction have become perplexed. 
realities based in evidence are replaced by stereotypes steeped in misinformation. Philosophies regarding addiction are formulated from the responsive opinions of addicts. The ability and willingness of addicts to manipulate is all too well known. Thus, forming theory regarding treatments from such input is absurd. But let me welcome you to 2020, where things are based on that which is absurd. Reliance on responses and opinions of addicts as factors for treatment fails to balance that reliance by considering the motivation for such responses and opinions. The, the two tend to contradict, or it would be natural, as we're, we're going to see in a moment, when you ask a drug addict for a certain response and your plan is to provide treatment based on the response of the drug addict, they're going to tell you what they're motivated to tell you. Lying and manipulation tend to come with the territory of drug addiction. So to provide treatment based upon the manipulation and the lies of a drug addict, uh, it's, it's problematic, which would seem like common sense. But honestly, this is the prevailing idea in, in terms of addiction and treatment for addiction to date. Reviewing behavior in light of verbal response is very telling. For instance, an addict will often, in dramatic performance, explain how addiction is impossible for them to overcome. Yet when a police officer enters the scene, they are suddenly able to put their addiction away. It's odd how addiction and the many bad characteristics that come along with addiction can all be quickly curbed when the proper authority shows up. It's very interesting. I once had a friend ask me what I think should happen to a mentally handicapped individual that performs some heinous criminal act. The basis of the scenario emanated from an assumption the mental handicap rendered the person incapable of understanding the evils they had performed. I asked my friend in response, did he do it in the open to be seen or did he hide as to make sure he was unseen? If he did it openly in full view of society, that might suggest to me the person may have lacked necessary understanding, though it certainly is not definitively true. See, the idea is if they do it openly, there are two possibilities there. I mean, there are multiple possibilities, but just breaking it down to the most simple form of what's what's taking place. And we could plug as many factors in here as we want. It's kind of like a computer model. <laughs> We can make it say what we want if we add, add enough what ifs, but just bear with me here. If the person does it in broad daylight in front of other people, there's a good possibility they may not understand what they're doing is wrong. That lack of sense of hiding tends to make me think they don't know that what they're doing should not be seen or should be hidden or it is wrong, therefore I'm going to go run and hide. On the other hand, if the evil was performed in such a way as to hide, it suggests they understood full well the wrong to which they had employed themselves. So when someone does something wrong and they know it's wrong, they tend to go run and hide. Now, we are entering an era in our society in which people begin to do things wrong, things that are immoral, things that are violent, things that are horrible, in the open, that's a whole new level of depravity that our society is beginning to enter. You see this with videos of young people harming elderly people out on the streets and laughing about it openly and posting the video as though there's nothing wrong with it. So there is a level to which 
this idea does, does fall apart. But when you consider someone, whether they should be held accountable or not, do they hide when they get involved in whatever immoral activity it is they've chosen to get involved in, such as drug addiction? And drug addicts tend to lurk at night. Drug addicts hide from the police. Drug addicts run the streets and try to remain in obscurity because they don't want to be caught. They have chosen to live that way because it will best suit their lifestyle. Behavior matters greatly. What people say, unfortunately, is often unreliable, especially in situations regarding addiction. With addiction comes the learned ability to manipulate. And unfortunately, addicts are master manipulators. And now we have this entire system of rehabilitation and treatment that has been built around the manipulations of drug addicts, which is insanity. But we'll get to that. As a result of this line of thinking, backed by biblical principles, I subscribe to an unpopular view regarding drug addiction. I hold the idea that drug use is a choice made by an individual. Drug addiction is the result of a series of choices to maintain use over an extended period of time. So that means drug addiction did not just happen to someone. They went out, they made a choice to get involved in the first place. Whether their intentions were initially innocent and then they just enjoyed the end result of that innocent decision or the intention was to make their way out into the streets indefinitely. Most people don't make the decision to go indefinitely until much later down the road, but their getting there is the result of a series of decisions that were made that was unnecessary. And their leaving there would be based on the exact opposite of that same decision. I don't believe it can be demonstrated on a large scale that doctors cause addiction, though I do believe a certain amount of irresponsibility has aided its existence. Many individuals enter a doctor's office in hopes a medication will be administered to assist in removing their sobriety. That's their end goal. They hope they can provide the right information to a doctor, not to take away some pain or difficulty they're having, but to gain access to certain types of medication. I also don't hold to the idea drug dealers are in the streets forcing business upon unfortunate passers-by. People interested in drugs seek the dealers out to purchase their drug of choice. It's unfortunate the street dealer exists, but they would fail to exist if people would stop buying. That's just a natural aspect of life. If nobody's there to buy the drug, there's no reason for the dealer to exist. Finally, I don't accept the idea that addiction is some sort of ineluctable disease. Drug use at any level is a choice. Where the drugs are purchased is an aspect of that choice. Philosophical approaches that remove individual responsibility also remove the coherent connection to the resolution. When you separate the cause from the effect, you obscure how you get from A to B. You can't get to the solution. You can't correct this problem as long as you're going to pretend the way in which it began does not exist. And it began through a series of personal choices. It will come to an end through a series of equal and opposite choices. So a forgive them for they know not what they do mentality is sorely misplaced and demonstrably untrue, at least in regards to addiction. This mindset is a tool facilitating the use of manipulation by addicts. For the addict, the existence of such thinking lends practically to their chosen lifestyle. 
It's assisting them in maintaining that line of manipulation. As long as they can claim they have no control over their current situation and society will follow, they receive a perpetual pass to remain where they are in life. Consent to negative behavior based upon the explanations and feelings of individuals motivated to be where they are is circular. And in reference to addiction, it's harmful. Now, typically it's harmful in any situation, but it has been devastating in the world of addiction. Addiction is tearing our families apart across America. People are going into the streets and we're going to talk about more of this in just a second. It's just this idea that addiction is an unfortunate disease that has engulfed our country is ridiculous. And until we get back to the cause, we're not going to get to the solution. That's why I'm harping on this idea. Overwhelmingly, the current ideas surrounding addiction defend addicts as unfortunate victims of an uncontrollable disease. Therefore, any behavior connected to this disease is beyond control. The resulting and organically connected thefts, lies, violence are all regrettable, but inescapable. Anyone willing to go against this mainstream idea will make themselves a target. It's sort of like telling children there is no Santa. We are all supposed to go along regardless of the facts surrounding the matter. Meanwhile, ever-growing numbers of addicts remain trapped in their pharmacological paradise that no doubt is eventually revealed to be an inferno. People's lives are being damaged as the result of a mentality, as the result of a way of thinking, a way of thinking that needs to be abandoned, and we need a change in course here. Now, it's not the way of thinking that is causing people to go into addiction, but it's this way of thinking that is helping them maintain a life of addiction. It assists them with staying there. And that's what we need to abandon here. That's what we need to get away from. We're going to discuss the prevention in a moment. But once they get there, once a person has arrived to the place of addiction, what they don't need is to be told you're an unfortunate victim. You have a disease. You have no control over this. It's not your fault. And then the rest of their life, they're handicapped and have a valid excuse to stay right where they are. This discussion is essential due to the number of large cities in America encroached upon by drug addicts that have chosen life in the streets. And I emphasize that word, choice. It may be prudent for governmental leaders to rethink their policies. Currently, I am unaware of a single city making decisions that have resulted in some sense of correction. Rather, in each, the 10 cities grow in number and drug abuse increases. At some point, someone with a measure of integrity may consider changing course. That is, so far as the end goal is to deter drug abuse and to stop the evolution of needle-covered city campgrounds. In terms of attempting to resolve this issue, the result of current policy displays high levels of incompetency. Thus far, news briefings speaking softly as to display some sense of compassion have been the response, not a change in direction. But doing something about it would be of far greater value. And making necessary changes to your philosophy, to your mentality, to your way of thinking regarding tent cities that are overwhelming numerous cities across America would be far more beneficial than to just come out and compassionately talking about a subject that you're failing at handling. Persistence in maintaining narratives based on dreamy ideas continue to exasperate. Inaccurate perceptions and misplaced blame fuel this crisis. 
it could be brought under control if proper measures were taken, but it starts with a change in mentality. People that use drugs choose to use those drugs and therefore should be held effectively accountable. Currently, addicts have no consequential reason not to use their drug of choice. There are no consequences to being a drug addict. Like many other areas of failure in people's lives today, we have government systems in place to reward them for their failures. And the trouble is these failures, more often than not, are based on personal choices made by these individuals. That's not to say there are not realistic reasons that people fail and have problems or difficulties arise in their lives to which they need help. But in this case, with drug addiction, you're aiding and abetting the problem. They aren't casualties amongst the many that have fallen prey to a disease. Their behavior is voluntary and should be dealt with accordingly. Proper forms of accountability would deter a goodly number from ever getting involved with drugs in the first place. An equal and opposite reaction to drug use is a necessary step to slowing and eventually gaining control over this crisis. Without legal enforcement that properly punishes participation in drug use, people have no reason not to go and get involved in it. If they already have a desire to be there with no legal action against them, with no legal authority against them, they're just going to go freely do it, which I believe is being well demonstrated all over our country. But if the proper consequences were put in place, I believe you'd see a massive downturn in the number of people that ever get involved in the first place. So in conclusion, 1 Corinthians 16, 15 says, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. The word of God speaks of addiction in proper terms. And again, this is where mentality is important. This is where a change in thinking is necessary. Though the use here doesn't refer to drug addiction, the indication is those involved placed themselves in this situation by focused choice. That is where we are. That is the problem. You have large groups of people across our country that are falling under the weight of life. Life is difficult, but let's look at a dictionary definition. The word addiction is defined the act of devoting or giving up in practice, the state of being devoted. You need to give these people new terminology because the word addict should be given to someone that is highly devoted to their cause, someone that is highly devoted to whatever, whatever it is they've gotten themselves into. And like our Bible reference, these people chose to addict themselves to ministry. They looked at something that they desired. They looked at something that they wanted to be a part of. And they said, I am going to make deliberate choices to be there, to be a part of that, to be devoted to that, to be faithful to that. So as to characterize myself as an addict of ministry, drug addicts are doing the exact same thing. It's no different. It'd be awfully difficult to get someone that is addicted to ministry to put ministry away. It'd be very difficult to get someone that is addicted to ministry to remove themselves from the characteristics and the applications and the, and the daily duties and the responsibilities that are all involved with ministry. It'd be very difficult to take someone that is addicted to that and get them to stop. I think it's difficult to get someone that's addicted to a substance to get them to stop. Not because they have a disease 
but because they are so given over by choice to the substances they love that they refuse to quit. And once they venture so far down that road and becomes a natural aspect of their life and it becomes a natural aspect of their character and it becomes a part of their daily habits, now it's deeply engraved in them and who they are. Still a choice to stop it, but it is certainly, certainly far more difficult once you've allowed it to go down the road to that extent. The sooner you turn away from that, the better. Better yet, don't get involved in the first place. Just say no. (laughs) Drug addicts are among the most devoted people I know, but the object of that devotion is a harmful substance. People choose to use drugs for various reasons, but it's important to understand they do so on purpose. They made that choice. It was a purposeful choice. With options available, volition is exercised to its eventual consequential end. That is, addiction is nothing more than a persistently repeated decision. If this sense of personal power and individual responsibility is not restored, victory over addiction will surely fail to follow. The moment the addict applies the same devotion to removing the substance as is applied to finding the substance, their lives would be altered. Now, I'll join you in admitting I don't know how you get an addict to get to that point. I don't know how you get someone that is so engulfed in addiction that they finally become tired of it. I have talked to a number of addicts and they will all openly admit they hate, they hate the direction their life has gone. They can't stand it, but they will not make a choice to start taking steps to go in the right direction. I have spoken with a number of addicts and I have offered them. I have places I can send people that are struggling with addiction. I have offered to pay to get them there. I will get them on a bus. I will get them on a plane. I will take them myself if necessary, but I will get the person where they need to be in order to obtain the help that they they so desire or claim to desire. But not one drug addict has ever taken my offer. Not one time. And so I am fully satisfied that drug addiction is based on a series of choices that people have made, and the end result is this lifestyle that they've engaged in. What I'm not certain about is how you get them to turn away from that. That's where the complexity comes in. That's where the difficulty comes in. That's where I don't want to be flippant and just pretend like this is a pull yourself up by your own bootstraps situation while at the same time understanding that most people that engage in this activity almost never get out of it. There is a connection in the complexity here, and there's a connection in the difficulty here, but I am not ready to submit to the idea that they have no choice in the matter. They have a choice. How we encourage them to start making the right choices, that's what we need to work on. I think deterrence is a big part of it. If there were proper legal action, I think if there was real punishment for being involved in such things, I think a lot of people would be ready and willing to start making decisions to stay out of it. That would leave some that are so devoted, even legal action would not stop them. 
But I think a majority of people, if there was real punishment, if there were real consequences for being involved in drug addiction, and I don't mean the loss of everything, because once you get so far down the road of addiction, you don't care about the loss of your family or your finances or your home. You're only focused on getting that drug, but they do care about being locked in prison for extended periods of time. I don't mean just a little short stint. I mean, real punishment. They do care about proper legal action against them that has the police in their face and enters them into a system of responsibility and rehabilitation. They don't want that. They want to be able to live in obscurity on the streets. They don't want to have to face legal penalty or, or repercussions for the things that they're involved in. And overwhelmingly, especially in cities that are being overrun with tent cities and areas like Seattle and San Francisco and Philadelphia that are allowing drug addicts to just take over city streets, police have had their ability to enforce the law removed from them in those places. And maybe we'll do a future podcast and an essay on that. And, and um, as I do some research into that and try and pin down some, some inexcusable, clear information regarding the matter, I think plenty of it is available, but when I make these podcasts, I want to make sure that when somebody cries about something that's said here, I have some factual information to back it up. Well, let's end with this. I personally know a savior that would greatly enjoy helping someone found in drug addiction. Jesus Christ would absolutely love to have your devotion turn to him rather than your devotion turn to a drug. When someone enters the realm of drug addiction, they have made that drug their God. Jesus would love to see you repent from that God and turn to him, and he'd help you. I believe data would back the idea Bible-believing faith-based rehab centers have higher success rates of rehabilitation than standard non-Bible-based facilities. Yet the reality is the people that receive help are the people that want help. If you're interested in taking control of your situation, please contact me. I'll do anything I can to assist you in getting the help you, you desire. But that's an important element. Do you desire to be helped? Do you actually want help? Are you so tired of this situation to the point that you're willing to actually do something about it? I can get you in touch with people and get you in the places you need to be in order to get the help that you need. It's available right here, right now. If you're in the United States of America, I have places I can send you. If you're outside the U.S., contact me. I'll do what I can to help. But if you're in the United States, I have help available for you. You just got to let me know. But be sure, the longer you linger, turning the tide will be increasingly difficult. Drug addiction exemplifies an aspect of human behavior that breaks the heart of ministers of the gospel. The idea can be summed up in this. How often would I have gathered thy children together even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast.